0: Without God, without Jesus, at the center of our lives, life is truly empty. And the worst state a person can be in is living an empty life and not even realizing how empty that life is. You are listening to CCF run Through timeless truths for today's life in just 30 minutes. If you want to hear more or know more about our ministry, please visit ccf.org.ph. Enjoy listening! The Best Solution, Jesus the One. We'll basically talk about uh, mostly two things. The impact of Adam and the impact of Jesus. Somehow we can all trace ourselves back to Adam, who was literally the first man on earth. Infinitely greater than that is the impact of Jesus, His love, His grace. And if you don't believe that yet, if you don't understand that fully yet, I pray that after we've gone through this remainder of chapter 5 together, we will say, all the more indeed, Jesus is the one. Okay, so let's uh, begin by talking about the impact of Adam. Our passage this morning begins in verse 12. It says, Therefore, just as through one man, who is that one man? What's his name? Adam, right? As through one man, sin entered into the world. That's true. He was the guy who first sinned. And death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. While it is true that we can trace, we can all trace ourselves back to Adam. And because of that, you and I have a a predisposition to sin. In the end, it says, death spread to all men because all sinned." Just as we have learned from all the many messages we've heard so far, Romans tells us, all have sinned, correct? Romans tells us, we are all guilty, correct? Romans tells us, we are judged by our deeds, correct? So folks, don't blame Adam. Okay? So tell the person next to you, even you guys watching online, tell the person next to you, it's not all Adam's fault, it's your fault. Isn't that true? So folks, you and I need to assume responsibility for what we have done wrong. Now, like we said, it's, we'll be kind of going back to the problem, you know, the impact of sin on our lives and to see just how deep that problem is so that by contrast, you and I will appreciate the one, the best solution, who is Jesus and His impact on you and me. So let's go. What are the things that happen as a consequence of sin? Well, elsewhere in the Bible, and a lot of them in the writings of Paul, they reveal to us the impact of sin on our lives. For example, we are spiritually dead. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says, "...and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world." Notice, first of all, that the Apostle Paul is writing in the past tense. The reason why he's writing in the past tense is because he's addressing true followers of Jesus Christ, people who have put their faith in Him as Lord and Savior, people who have already begun experiencing His transforming work in their lives, but nonetheless, He's still reminding them as He's reminding you and me that we were dead indeed in our trespasses and sins and says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. In other words, we followed the patterns, the standards, the allures of this world. We gave in to the attraction of what the world had to offer us. And then it says, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Basically, what it's saying is we were following Satan's ways. Such is the life of someone without Jesus, spiritually dead. We also have, like I said, a predisposition to sin, a sin nature. Ephesians 2, the next verse says, Among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind." Very clearly, it talks about not only what we do with our bodies, but what we do in our minds. And remember how Jesus raised the bar when He said, you have heard it say that you should not commit adultery. But I tell you, I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your eye, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. And then he talked about murder. He said, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. But if you hate somebody, if you're angry with someone, and that's in your mind, in your heart, you have already committed murder. And that's why here it says, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And look at what it says here. We were by nature, children of wrath. Man, that's a… That's a scary term. I, am, I praise God, this is all in the past tense. Do you praise God that this is in the past tense? But for some of us who are listening this morning, this may not be past tense. Because you don't have Jesus, yet He is not yet at the center of your life. Some people may say, wait a minute, I mean, uh, aren't people capable of doing good things, even if they're not followers of Jesus? The answer is yes. But remember, the standard of righteousness that is acceptable to God is not, we do good sometimes and we sin at other times. Look at what it says, even in the Old Testament, in Ecclesiastes 7.20. Indeed, there is not a righteous man. There is none. Why? What is the definition in God's eyes of a righteous man? There is not a righteous man on earth who what? Continually does good and who never sins. Who is the only person who passes this standard? Who is it? Jesus. That's why it is all about Another consequence that we see in the Bible is that we are separated from God. Separated from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities, okay, another word for sin. Earlier, we said trespass, transgression, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He does not hear. You see, another consequence of sin as we're living on earth is this, an empty life. I'm sure many of you, you who have come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you look back at your life before Christ, you realize how empty your life is. Amen? And here it says, Psalm 90, verse 10, As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. By the way, the Bible is not guaranteeing our number of years. It's just giving an example. Maybe this is like the average maximum something. Some people live less, some people live more. But here it is. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone, and we fly away. Apart from Christ, as we live according to our sinful nature, indulging ourselves, life will definitely be empty. And the consequence of sin is not realized only in this life on earth. Eventually, it translates into the worst consequence, which lasts forever. What do I mean? Eternal death, forever separated from God. Remember, we said earlier, sin separates us from God. And if we die physically and that separation is unresolved, the separation will last through eternity. It says in the book of Revelation 21, verse 8, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you have ever told a lie in your life, will you raise your hand? You've told at least one lie in your life. Okay. I'm looking carefully at anyone who's not raising their hand. No, no, don't. I'm not picking on you. Okay, we're all liars, right? Put it down. But see, if we don't admit, if a person does not admit to having lied, or if he claims or she claims, I have never lied in my life, that is at least the second lie that that person has told. That's the truth because we're all liars. And folks, just And I say this in quotations, just a lie. What is our destiny apart from Jesus? The lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Folks, you and I need to appreciate and realize the terrible consequence of sin. So now that we've looked back at sin and its deep, dire and dark consequences, are we now ready to look at the impact of Jesus? In verse 15, it says, but okay, so there's a there's a shift, may cambio, but in contrast, he says, but the free gift is not like the transgression. What is this free gift? Oh, we have many free gifts in Jesus: salvation and all of its effects. But we'll get to that in a while. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, Adam, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many." You know, in the next few verses, 15, 16, 17, we will see the idea, this idea of how much more, how much more powerful, how much more amazing the love and the grace of God and the impact of Jesus is versus the impact and the consequence of sin. The impact of sin can never overshadow or outdo the love and the grace of God. You know, throughout the book of Romans, you and I realized that the Lord has really gifted us. Of course, the greatest gift is Jesus Himself, but with Jesus and our putting our faith in Him came many amazing blessings. Salvation, rescue, being rescued from the penalty of sin by the sacrifice and the shed blood of Jesus. What about redemption, a broken chain? a ransom being paid so that a slave could be set free. And what about justification? Being declared not guilty, our record being wiped clean, about the righteousness of Jesus Himself being imputed or credited to our account as if we have never sinned. In verse 16, it says, uh, again, in pretty much the same Uh, train train of thought, he says, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Again, same idea. The gift is the free gift is not like the transgression. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. And the same is true for you and me. Because of our sin, our sin has to be judged, we are condemned. Apart from Jesus, we are doomed. But, it says, but on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in a word that you and I already understand by now, justification. So, what, what, is, this, what is this saying or, or what will help us understand this better? The free gift arose from many transgressions. As I was reflecting on this, It just told me that no matter how much sin has multiplied, the darkness of that sin, the power of that sin can never be greater than the power of God's grace. Now, to help me understand that a little bit more, and I can share it with you, is this very simple illustration. You and I don't need to be scientists to understand the simple fact that no amount of darkness can extinguish light. Right? You you I don't need to be, I don't know what branch of science that is, optics or physics or what. No amount of darkness can ever extinguish light. As a matter of fact, do you notice? The darker the place becomes, what? The brighter the light appears to be. The more illumination it seems to give. And folks, somebody here in this room, somebody here watching, you may begin to realize that you are in a dark place right now in your life. You, You feel the darkness enveloping you. But can I assure you, there is no darkness that can overpower the light of the gospel of the grace of Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. He he will pierce through the darkness in your life and give you a life that you never imagined you could have. And that's why the free gift is much more. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, Again, referring to the origin you of Adam. Oh, what do you see? Oh, I told you, there's much more. It's not only me, it's from the Bible. Much more, those who receive— remember, a gift has to be received. Those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the One. Jesus Christ, if the grace is so much more than the transgression, what then is the impact of that free gift? Let's go through this fairly quickly. Look, spiritually alive, Ephesians 2, 6, but God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, what did He do? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You are sitting here and physically, whether you're feeling great or not, you can know that because of Jesus in your spirit, you are very much alive by His grace. But wait, (laughs) there is much more. Look, earlier we said sin nature. Now look at this, new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. How in the world does Jesus make a person a new creation? Let me give you one example. You know, you, you talk about the contrast of a person. Uh, being responsible for bringing death and a person being uh, the source of life. Take a look at the, ex- the example of this lady. Her name is Dr. Kathy. Oh, I'm sorry. Her name is Dr. Kathy Altman. What is the story, very quickly, of Dr. Kathy Altman? Dr. Kathy Altman is uh, an OBGYN, or, although I think she may be retired by today. But many years ago, she was performing abortions. Okay. And for her, she tried to be very objective. It's just a job. As a matter of fact, there was a time when her her conscience was just so callous that she was pregnant, she herself, while performing an abortion. Can you imagine that? But you know what? In 1983, Jesus got a hold of her life. She heard the gospel, and you know, when at one point when she read an article about the Holocaust, you know, the the six million Jews who, who perished in Auschwitz and Buchenwald and all of these places, she came to a conclusion and she said, Oh my, I am also a mass murderer. So she repented of her sin, and to make the long story short, she became a follower of Jesus, still following Jesus today. And wherein, as her, in, whereas in her past life, she was an agent of death, now she fights for the rights of the unborn to help make sure that they come into life, not just on this earth, but to help to know the source of life, who is Jesus Christ. That is how God makes people a new creation in Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. We talked about being separated from God. But in Jesus, we are united with God, the Father. Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by our good works. Ah, that's not what it says. We have been brought near by the precious blood of Jesus. You see, it is all about Him. Now, earlier we said empty life is also part of the consequence of sin. Well, in Jesus, it is the opposite and much more, a full and abundant life. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus, came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What does abundantly mean? You take your pick more, greater, excessive, exceedingly, vehemently, beyond what is anticipated, exceeding expectation, going past the expected limit, more than enough. You want other languages? You look it up yourself. But that is the abundant life in Jesus. Going back again to our passage, Romans 5. All right. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men." Now, just a warning. This does not mean that just because Jesus died on the cross, it does not mean everybody on earth is automatically saved. Some people teach that. It's called universalism. They believe that just because Jesus died, automatically, everybody is saved. But if that were true, why would Jesus tell us to share the gospel? Why would Jesus tell us to make disciples? Why would the apostle Paul say to the Romans, I long to see you. I want to share the gospel with you or to whoever else has not heard about Jesus. Okay. Remember, the gift has to be received. Very good. I praise God that it's so clear to all of us. Now, Here's our memory verse. This is so beautiful. It like summarizes almost everything. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the One. Isn't that just beautiful language? So poetic. The obedience of the One, the many will be made righteous. Made righteous. In other words, we cannot make ourselves righteous. We have to be made righteous by God through His Son, Jesus. Again, the, the implication of or the meaning of righteousness being imputed is it is credited to your account. You know, this is a, an amazing story. I mean, this is many years ago. Our, the president of the company that I worked for, he had a a few people on his direct staff, like his direct assistants. Okay. Now, now, remember during this time, this is a long time ago, we had computers already, but they were not exactly the most efficient. Anyway, one day, the most amazing thing happened. You will not believe this. So he had, so here's the president, right? Then he had a, two or three assistants. When they got their pay slip, The salary of the president was put in the payslip of one of his assistants. So, one of the assistants opened his payslip as he would do every month, and imagine what he saw. Of course, he didn't know what that was, but it turned out to be what? The salary of the president. And so, this assistant almost fell off his chair because the amount was so big. I'm just saying, The righteousness of God imputed in you, the righteousness of Jesus, it cannot be measured by money, by by any form of measure. And in Romans, it says, it was because of the obedience of the One. This was not easy for Jesus. The obedience of the One was excruciating for Him. By the way, the word excruciating to describe pain means coming from the cross or out of the cross. But even before He was crucified, look, Luke 22, And He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and He knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if You are willing, remove this cup from Me, yet not My will, but Yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to Him strengthening him. And this part only Luke records it because Luke is a doctor. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down Mm -hmm. upon the ground. Can you begin to sense the agony of Jesus? So folks, when we remember that phrase, the obedience of the one, Let's remember what it took for Jesus to do just that. Again, just to kind of summarize where we've been so far, just before we go to our last two verses, the impact of Adam, one man's disobedience. Of course, he sinned and he suffered the consequence of death. Eventually, we, were, we all sinned and death spread because of our sin. We all incurred judgment, condemnation, and death reign. But because of the obedience of the One, You and I today, there is grace, there is the free gift, and grace abounded, it says, much more. There is justification declared, not guilty. There is righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus imputed. And it says, reign in life. In other words, you want to clap for God? Sure, okay. You know, we'll be doing this in heaven a lot. Now, this thing about reign in life, Instead of living an empty life, we will reign in life even here on earth. So let's finish our passage for today. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Same concept. Nothing can overpower the grace of God. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, grace would reign through righteousness. Ah, so see. The impact of Jesus is not only in this life. Remember earlier, we said the consequence of sin is not only in this life, but eventually it kicks in in eternity, will be separated from God forever. Same thing with the impact of Jesus and much more. It says, righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why there is really so much more in Jesus. For example, hmm in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, 20 to 22. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep, for since by a man, who is this? Again, he's talking about Adam. For since by a man came death, by a man, of course, God, man, Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Of course, that is all those who have put their faith in Him. Praise God. But wait, (laughs) there is more. In verses 45 to 49, it says, So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, that is a a Jewish uh, term that the rabbis used to refer to the Messiah. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Adam received the breath of life from God, but Jesus gives us the breath of life. Is that amazing? The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth. Earthy. Earthy means made of dust, basically. The second man is from heaven. Now, get this. This will be, this will be how we uh, end our, the blessings of the impact of Jesus. As is the earthy, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy. What's the promise? We Altogether now, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. As I was reflecting on this promise, this is what came to my mind. As I was driving home yesterday, I said, Lord, okay, I'll share this from my heart. When my wife was still around, when she was still living on this earth, she had many medical and physical challenges. When she and I would travel, she'd have to be in a wheelchair. Many times, I had the privilege of pushing that wheelchair. And whenever she'd make her way up to these seats over here, I'd meet her. I'd extend my hand to help her up the stairs because I didn't want her to fall because she already had an accident here a long time ago. But because of this promise, it says, for all those who put their faith in Jesus, we will bear the image of the heavenly. And right now for her, no need for wheelchair, no need for a helping hand because she is dancing and leaping and praising God. And so, as we end, there is one thing you and I did not talk about, very quickly. So we said, the best, the best solution, Jesus the One. The impact of Adam, the impact of Jesus. What about the impact you and I can make? So very quickly, let me just go through this. Three things the impact that you and I can make. Number one, believe in the One, Jesus. If you have not yet put your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, don't wait. Now is the time. You who are here in this room, you who are watching online, now is the time. Believe in the One. But as many, John 1.12 says, as received Him to them, He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed in His name. Now if you are already a follower of Jesus the impact you can make is you live for the one. 2 Corinthians 5:15 says and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves. <coughs> excuse me. But for him who died and rose again on their behalf. My friend, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus don't live any longer as if you were still in Adam. Live in a way that shows you are in Jesus. Honor Him through our life. Finally, the impact you can make, tell others about the one. And we go back to Romans chapter 1, where Paul said, So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Folks, are you blessed by the gift of grace and love that is through Jesus? I believe we all are. Let's unite our hearts in prayer. If you are that person who has yet to believe in the One, I pray that you will really give Him your life. Why should you not? What reason is there to hold you back? The grace of God will pull you forward. The grace of God will give you the strength to say, yes, Jesus. And so tell him, tell him, Jesus, I need you. I want to be the, you to be the Savior of my life. I don't want a dark life. I want your light to shine in and through me. I don't want a dry life. I want the abundance of your grace to flow in and through me. But most of all, Lord Jesus, I want to know you, and I want to know how to live with and for you. And for those of us who already know Him, silently just give Him thanks in your heart. There can never be enough thanksgiving for what Jesus has done. Just like throughout the service this morning, We just couldn't applaud God enough for all He is and He has done. But Lord, we we just give you thanks, praise, worship. We know you deserve so much more than we can give, but we thank you that you are a God who accepts a few fish, a few loaves of bread, and we come as we are that you may multiply your grace through us and use us as agents of your blessing in this world. Thank you, Jesus, for being the one. And it is in your name that we pray. And God's people said amen and applauded the King of kings, the one and only Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. All glory be to him. God bless you.